True reviews and interviews. Welcome back. I'm your host, True Justice, and this is episode 108. And we're going to be talking about a documentary I just watched on Showtime called Insane in the Brain. Uh, just came out this year, 2022. It is rated TV mature, and it is about the legendary one and only Cypress Hill. Um, what a what an awesome documentary. I just got to say that right off the bat. If you're a fan of them, you're, of course, going to enjoy it. If you don't know much about them, I highly suggest you watch it because you will learn a great deal. If you're a hip-hop fan, you got to check it out. If you're a rock and roll fan, I would check it out. If you're a music fan in general, they're innovators. Um, if you're uh, supportive of uh, the, you know, the growth of Latin music or community and the hip-hop world and the music industry, whatever it may be, um, if you're a into the world of cannabis, um, the education about it, anything like that. Um, it was just a, a phenomenal documentary. They got a great story. So, um, they had a lot to work with and, um, this documentary was, it was really cool. I was a little bummed out. I'm just going to say this right away. Cause if you have not seen this, uh, LA originals on Netflix that came out in 2020, um, I, and you're a fan of West coast, uh, hip hop culture, um, Anything like that, you seriously need to check out L.A. Originals on Netflix. Um, that one was a lot about Esteban Oriol and uh, Mr. Cartoon. And I was a little bummed out Mr. Cartoon wasn't in this documentary about Cypress Hill. But Esteban, of course, was a huge part of it because he was the tour manager and photographer for Cypress Hill for many years. Um, but, uh, yeah, so L.A. Originals on Netflix. Insane in the Brain is on Showtime. So in this documentary, we, we learn a great deal. We, we get to go through the, some of their stories on how they met, which was a lot of fun. And they, uh, you know, they talk about how, uh, George, you know, their, their, uh, uh, the, what is that thing called? Sorry. The Hollywood walk of fame, their star. When they got that, it was cool. Cause George Lopez was announcing it for him at their, uh, the reveal of it. And they're the first ever uh, hip hop group to get that. They said that was, that's dope. That's a huge, um, uh, monumental moment, of course. Biggest selling Latin hip hop group ever, you know, um, it, it kicked off with a uh, ice T was in quite a bit of it talking about it. He had this part where he said that back in the day, they all thought that, uh, uh, Cypress Hill sounded like the crazy Mexicans that were, uh, on angel dust. And that shit made me laugh so hard. Cause, um, it makes a whole lot of sense. And, um, you know, and then they start diving into their stories. It starts with uh, Send Dog, of course. And Send Dog, um, you know, explains the origin of their name of Cypress Hill and how they lived on Cypress Avenue in California. And um, they wanted uh, to take their block worldwide. They wanted to represent it that big. So that's where Cypress Hill came from. And I really liked how they broke it down uh, going to each of the members and kind of giving their backstory because uh, me and my guys have talked relentlessly about Cypress Hill and we always seem to get confused about what ethnicity they are. Uh, so Sendog, he's uh, he's cute. His father was Cuban, moved to California when he was uh, probably a teenager, I'm guessing. And um, it goes through Sendog's story a whole, whole lot, you know, um, from uh, meeting Be Real um, the meeting DJ Muggs, you know, all the stuff all the way from to him leaving the group and starting um, uh, a bike club called the Cypress Hillbillies, which I thought was a pretty hilarious story because he uh, talks about when he was going through a lot of stuff. I don't want to give too much spoilers on the documentary. I want you to enjoy some of it if you check it out. But um, when he when he kind of just had enough of tour and he said he couldn't breathe anymore and he left, he said he was watching a lot of NASCAR and bull riding. And he said that... Uh, 
uh, his 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 boys would hit him up and be like, "What are you doing?" He'd be like, "Just watching the races or something like that." And they're like, "You're such a hillbilly," and I guess that's where he uh, developed the Cypress Hillbillies Bike Club. Um, and then they dive into Be Real, of course. Um, and so with the ethnicity, this is where he, he clears it up. His mother's from Cuba, his father's from Mexico, and um, he ended up meeting Sen from uh, Sen Sen Dog's brother. That's how they linked up, and uh, they talk about you know developing his unique voice because that's probably Be Real's you know biggest signature aside from his uh, his um, uh, advocacy in uh, the cannabis world. Um, you know, just. Uh, <sighs> I thought this was hilarious too because you know you think about Cypress Hill you think about weed everybody does and for good reason you know not just for party time but for uh, um, medicinal purposes for mental health I mean they were really riding high for it I thought that was cool but uh, they said Be Real called himself the uh, international smuggler because if they were going uh, across the seas on tour and he found out they didn't have weed there, he couldn't get it. He would have the weed FedEx to his location ahead of time. So it was waiting there for him, which I thought was hilarious. And uh, he explains his uh, creation of the character, Dr. Green Thumb and um, you know, the brand and how that was all created and how he was able to um, create that alias back in the day. And now it's grown to so much more. Um, and then you got DJ Muggs. Um, he's from Queens and moved to Los Angeles. Um, linked up with the guys uh uh he said he was inspired by jam master jay so that's what got him on the tables and one of the guys uh i think he was one of the guys from the kday radio show that they said that is what introduced them all to hip-hop in the first place in los angeles i think it was one of the djs from that show that was telling the story if i'm not mistaken saying that uh, he remember going to dj mug's place and all he had in his room was a bed a dresser uh, a bunch of records and his t- turntables. So he's like, he knew he was serious. Like that's all he did. That's all he spent his time doing. And uh, they talked about doing backyard parties and how that that's, they would start spitting on the mic and doing their thing, spinning the tables. And when they were done, they'd unplug all their shit. So nobody else could like try to get all hyped and like, let me show you what I got. They said, if you want to get on and do it, you got to bring your own shit. Um, I really liked how they talked about how competitive they were and how they were like, no, we're going to fucking smash everybody. We're the, we're going to do it different and better. Um, they explained, you know, life in Southgate and, and uh, the gangs and the violence, which was uh, cool to, for them to touch on because, of course, that's heavy in that area. Um, Be Real talks about staring away into the gang life for a bit and how he got shot, which I didn't know that. Um, he said uh, they had, you know, faced off with some guys, and they I think he said they took like four shots at him, and he heard three of them go by him and hit something else, and then one of them hit him in the um, through the back and put a hole in his lung. And he said at that point, you know, he started getting back into the music and it kind of changed his perspective and thought he would get into, you know, writing songs and not just raps anymore. And um, so, you know, to me, it sounded like music saved his life, which is great because he's done so much. And thank God that bullet missed um, other organs, you know. And, uh, you know, Muggs, um, at that point, it sounded like Muggs had told them that he he believed in Send Dog and Be Real. And he told them to quit their jobs and move in with them. And he said something about, you know, we we put in all our, our we put in all our all sorry shit um, for uh, two years or something like that you know we're gonna we're gonna make something of this group and they ended up doing two to three years every day and you know they talk about how they had to go broke they had to go hungry um, to develop into what they became they put all of everything they had into this shit um, and I always love. The backstories like the Cypress Hill, uh, or not Cypress Hill, the Wu Tang show on Hulu. I think that's just been real fun seeing 
their development and their story and how they got into the business world of it all. So in this in this documentary, they're talking about, you know, meeting with uh, people and realizing they need a logo and they need a concept. And they're very confused. Like, what do you mean? And they said, well, uh, uh, Public Enemy was like the the Malcolm X of, of hip hop. And this other person is like this of hip hop. You know, what are you guys? What do you what is your concept? What What do you represent? What is your image? And so I think it was Sendog who was like, we need to figure out what we are. You know, what what are we going to do? And they're talking about how they didn't even know. I think Muggs was like, I don't even know what the word concept means at that time. And uh, they said they're going to be the Cheech and Chong of hip hop. And, you know, just being stoners and wanting to learn more about cannabis and educate people on it and really explore that. And um, then it actually cut over to Cheech and Chong, which was dope as hell because they're talking about how, um, you know, they, they deserve the credit for creating the, the group themselves. And then they dive into um, some of their records and uh, the demos they were putting together. And, of course, you know, and they talked about Sendog was a better uh, better rapper than Be Real back then, but Be Real was a better writer. And um, how uh, if it wasn't for the movie Juice um, that came out in 1992 when it was playing uh, um, How Could I Kill a Man, it, you know, who knows what would have happened. Um, apparently it was that movie that really got people um, rushing to the store to purchase the album. So uh, I want to say the I want to say they said the, the album came out after they signed a Rough and Tough. I want to say it was I can't remember the label's name. Um, I want to say they said they were like thirty or sixty thousand records after like six months. So it wasn't doing very good, and they were very confused because they thought people were going to eat it up and love it. And of course, with a, a song like that, it's not getting radio plays. It's not going to get a music video play. So when Juice came out and they had that shit on the movie, they said that played for like 90 seconds or something like that through the movie. And they're like, and that's a long time for a song to play continuously through a movie. And they said after that shit came out, they were getting 50,000 sales a week on the album. So that changed it all. And, you know, they end up getting High Times Magazine cover, um, huge moment for them. Um, they talk about stealing Bobo um, from the Beastie Boys. That was a fun story. Um, they talk about, you know, how they're representing diversity of all Latin culture of L.A. Bobo is Puerto Rican. So, you know, they got all these different representations. Alchemist is in this shit talking about stories when he's younger, how his job was to be up on stage and blow up the gigantic Buddha and how he would run over behind it and make it shake to make it look like it was dancing to the music. I thought that was funny. And uh, one of my favorite um, stories they told that you know, that I'll say on here, because I, like I said, I don't want to spoil it all for you, but one of the... Um, favorite ones I had they talk about being on Saturday Night Live and uh DJ Muggs he said that he's uh in the back like dressing room I'm guessing and um, he said they kept coming back to tell him you cannot smoke weed on the stage you can't smoke weed on the show you cannot light it up on the show and at first he said okay I got you and he said they came back like 10 times it kept saying the same thing and at this point he was just really irritated so when he got on for their last song he said, they told me I can't light my shit, and then he sparked it up. And he said it just drove people crazy. Phones were going off the hook, and they said they got banned, but they didn't care because, you know, clearly their um, their careers did not suffer from that. Um, they talk about dropping a Spanish album, you know, and they just share a whole lot of cool tour stories and uh, the Napster story, which was really dope because I didn't know about that and how they, the tour with Limp Biscuit was uh, a free free tickets for all the shows that that shit was dope as hell so um just a just a cool ass documentary check it out it's called insane in the brain um on showtime now 
Uh, Estevan's essentially, I don't know if he's the one who put it out himself, but he's, it cuts to him quite a bit because he's got so many stories and he's going through his photos. I really like the way it was done. He's got so many photos. What a, what a cool story and life that guy has lived um, and all the images he has. It's just dope as hell. So I highly suggest you check it out and also go check out that LA Originals on Netflix if you haven't seen it. If you have seen that, definitely you're going to love this shit. It's just like more of it. Um, yep. All right. We'll be back.